0: Don't Ask Me to Talk.
1: Connection through conversation. Join self-described conversationalist Stacy Heller as she talks with guests about topics and ideas from the ridiculous to the sublime on Don't Ask Me to Talk. Now, here's your host, Stacy Heller.
0: Hello, welcome to Don't Ask Me to Talk. I am Stacy Heller and I have, I think I announced last week that Grace was going to be my guest. And Grace, my daughter, uh, is apparently too busy for me. So, I mean, I suppose the good news is she's actually going to classes, which uh, is, you know, a good thing in college. But alas, alack. So pinch hitting for her, I have my friend Zach Davis. And in true Zach form, there's a little bit of chaos. So, He is going to be arriving in a few minutes, but frankly, I don't really need him in the beginning because I'm just always talking because it is, don't ask me to talk. So um, here's the deal. If you can't listen live and you enjoy this, you can listen anytime you want. You could hide in your bathroom. You could go in the bathtub. You could hide in a closet. How do you do that? Well, you know how to go in a closet, but to get my podcast, you can text D-A-M-T-T, to the number 55678. Now, for today's show, if you have a question or a comment, then feel free to call 425-373-5527. Again, 425-373-5527. And as I mentioned, I will be joined shortly by Zach Davis. But in the meantime, let me tell you some things that I learned this week. So, first thing, this week, I learned a lot about my inner child. Now, I know that sounds totally woo-woo. I went in for a massage because my elbow's been bothering me. So, for those of you that actually listen to the show occasionally, you know that a few weeks ago, I had Pete Connolly of Acute Injury Massage on the show along with Troy Hunter, and I was complaining about my elbow. And so... I went in, as I said I was going to, for my appointment and I thought he was going to work on my elbow. Well, Pete did an energy scan. So basically just sort of scanning over my body and noticed that there seemed to be some resistance around my chin area. So apparently something is taking it on the chin for me and ended up spending a good portion of my session on my chin. Now, mom is going to laugh about this. So as he's working on my chin, my face, my jaw, whatever, he's like, do you have some teeth issues? And I was like, I mean, I'm going to have to get my wisdom teeth out and I'm going to apparently have to get a couple of crowns. And he was like, no, no, that's not what I'm thinking. Like your jaw. And I said, um, oh, Eric, he's here there's no point in like pretending like Eric doesn't have to go let my guest in. (laughs) So anyway, so he's saying to me that, you know, there's something there and it's from a long time ago. And so I'm like, I can't think of anything. And he said, well, when you were a kid and I was like, well, I mean, there's this time I fell off a rope swing in my backyard and I landed on my chin and I ended up getting stitches and he's like, ah, that's it so the story about this then has become this like ongoing running joke in my family because we had a rope swing it was in the backyard side yard actually i fell off of it i landed like a rag doll splat i really don't remember what happened next i like to think that i was there for like four days and you know everybody left me for dead uh because that's more dramatic that is not the case i think i got up and ran quickly or whatever. And again, in my retelling, I army crawled into the room that we called the gallery. And he, um, and there sitting was my dad waiting for my mom because they were going to be going out. And um, he <laughs> took one look at me with like blood all over my chin and whatever. And it was like, you're getting blood on the insert expletive here oriental rug um okay now he's really here are
1: you sure I'm sure before
0: I think he was like here going up the elevator now he says he's here on the fifth floor okay okay thank you Eric
1: (laughs) hey you know I'm getting in my steps
0: (laughs) you're welcome it's all good (laughs) (laughs) all right so this means that I'm in control in the booth for a little while not that anything can happen remind him he can't curse by the way (laughs) See, you guys are getting to see how the sausage is made here. So anyway, my dad takes a look and he tells me to go into the kitchen and, you know, sops up the blood and whatever. And I have joked that this has been a point of therapy for years. The whole, like, you're getting blood on the oriental thing. Anyway, apparently, although I have moved beyond this and I now appreciate as a parent that sometimes you don't say the right thing in the moment. You, I don't know, you speak from a place of being human or reacting or being afraid and you don't say what you should say. Well, hi, Zach. So instead, you just say what blurts out. Put on your headphones and then you're going to talk about a fist distance from the mic. Oh, I
2: know the... And
0: there you go. And you can interject whatever you want. Deal. Okay. So, by the way, this is Zach, everyone. So, I'm telling about the story about when I fell off the rope swing and I ended up getting blood on the Oriental rug. And Pete Connolly gave me a massage last week and was like, What's going on with your chin? There's something like from a long time ago. So, apparently, my inner child doesn't know that I've moved past this.
2: I'd imagine I have a number of. (laughs) Spots on my body that Mr. Conley would be concerned about. Uh
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I thought this was fascinating. He spent, I, you know, I said I was expecting to go in and talk about my elbow or, like, have treatment on my elbow. And he ended up spending probably 60 minutes on my chin. Which, by the way, for a massage, like, yes, that's a good thing. But, like, not really what I was anticipating. So, needless to say, Pete and I had a nice conversation with my inner child, and I let little Stacy know that it's okay that we've moved beyond this.
2: I would, I would have a hard time getting my chin massaged for 60 minutes and finding my inner child at the same time.
0: Well, you know what? He found it for me. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, wow, you're very talkative. Like, little Stacy's so talkative. And I was like, all right. <laughs> so anyway, I thought that was fascinating. And you know who knew that you could have that happen in a yeah, massage?
1: You really took it on the chin.
0: I thank you for that, but a bump. Okay, next. On Sunday, I learned that Brazilians are not that bad because that's right. What I will do for my art for the podcast that I am a co-host of, Between Two Cheeks. Mm. Remember, it's out now.
1: And again, you're talking waxing here. You're not talking about Brazilian citizens of Brazil. Correct. (laughs)
0: Correct. (laughs) I did not have a citizen of Brazil on Sunday. (laughs) I am married, Eric.
1: Well, I'm just saying, you're (laughs) saying, I found out Brazilians aren't that bad. Peruvians (laughs) are great. (laughs) Yes.
0: (laughs) I wonder what a Peruvian would be. Anyway, uh, so a Brazilian waxing, actually sugaring treatment. And here's the thing, guys. There was a camera from the neck up to my left and to my right, I had my iPhone recording the whole thing.
2: It's like the last scene in Braveheart where you just see his head and the rest of his body is being...
1: Is this the beginning of a fans-only page?
0: (laughs) No, because honestly, I would lose money. (laughs) It would be... Horrible. But I will tell you that I used to be afraid of childbirth. Did that four times. Then I thought a Brazilian treatment would be awful. Hello. Not that bad. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There were some moments that were a little hairy. (laughs) Uh, My next big fear is a colonoscopy. Me too. Right? Right. And here's the the weird thing is it's not the treatment because you're out for the treatment. It's the prep. It's all that liquid. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I'm sort of like, could I get like the 48 hour like deluxe treatment where they basically like feed me all the liquids through a tube and I just stay there for a couple of days and then just all happens. And then I like I come out and it's all good.
1: Are you going to have the iPhone up for that? Do the full Katie Couric?
0: <laughs> I don't know if they want to pay for a podcast. <laughs> so, yeah. So you're going to have to wait, though, because... Uh, that episode is it until the end of the series.
1: Okay, good.
0: <laughs> it's like the big moment. Um so that was kind of fun. Also, I'm going to visit my mother now. I'm super excited about this. I'm leaving next Wednesday because I didn't want to miss my recording day here. I mean, come on, and coming back the following Monday and she is so excited right now. I think her tail is probably wagging. She's listening right now, by the way, with her friends. Uh, they go by Glop, the glorious ladies of Penswood. So it's Lee, Diane, and Mom.
2: I bet that's a rowdy bunch.
0: Oh. They are um, very social and let's just say well-known.
2: <laughs> I believe that. I met your mother at a and i and we sat there and exchanged Terrible comments to each other very quietly and had a <laughs> had a great time at D and I.
0: Uh-huh. I purposefully sat her next to you because I was like, oh, they're going to enjoy each other. Yeah.
2: We had a good time the whole way through just exchanging inappropriate comments back and forth throughout and trying not to smile like like we were in high school again or uh-huh. something.
0: Totally. Yeah. Oh yeah. And and she really doesn't have any opinions on anything at all.
2: <laughs> I could tell.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, No, no. no. So by the way, speaking of B&I, I um, I do want to let anybody that's listening know out of my tens of listeners that my chapter of B&I, and actually Zach is in the same chapter, Plateau Partners, we are having a visitor's day on May 14th. So if you are like B&I curious, and maybe you are a small business owner, a medium-sized business owner a big business, I don't care what kind of business you have and you want a networking group or you want to learn more about it. You keep hearing me mention it because some of my guests are BNI members. Here's the deal. Text BNI, B as in boy, N as in noob. I don't know. I as in info, um, PP for Plateau Partners, info to 55678. So again, it's text BNI, PP info to 55678, or just contact me through my website, uh, Staceyconnects.com. And I will send you an invitation to the meeting. We are doing this virtually. So it doesn't matter where you are. Um, we would love to have you join. Okay. So, my Staceyism. I always pick the perfect Staceyism. This week's is kids are going to lie. It's the shortest distance between you, as the parent or authority figure, and being left alone. It's just their nature. I can't tell you how many parents that when I talk with them, especially if their kids are preteens, they're like, oh, no, I have a really good relationship with little Susie. Hmm. And I'm like, yes, you do. However, your kids are going to lie. Oh, no, my kids won't lie to me. I'm like, okay. And they're going to lie. And here's the thing. I used to lie to my mom and dad all the time. And it wasn't necessarily because I was doing anything bad. I mean, frankly, half the time, I think my mom wished that I was doing something bad. And really, I was lying because I was like, I was at the library.
2: (laughs) My parents got to a point, they just didn't want me to tell the truth anymore. They just stopped asking (laughs) because I would tell them. I realized that being 100% honest was my my best way of getting out of the conversation real quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they stopped asking after a while. And, and uh, now both my sister and I have a good old time telling them what was really going on <laughs> while they were out of town in France and stuff like that.
0: Right. right? Well, and here's the thing. So your kids are going to lie. So just know that your kids are going to lie. And the one suggestion that I have to help you cope with this is do let your kids know that in all of their lying, there should be a hint of truth. So, for instance, I used to say to the kids, like, if you're going out with your friends and you're doing something, like, I need to neither know, like, somebody that you're with or where you are. I need to know some aspect so that if, God forbid, something happens, I can track you down. But beyond that, I don't expect them to tell the truth. So it seemed like a good stacey that since you were going to be on the show today. So I sort of front-loaded the episode. So uh, on that note, we're going to take a really quick break, and then when we come back, we are going to chat with Zach Davis of Window Works. We'll be right back. Don't ask me to talk. Hi, this is Lisa Downs, host of Reigniting You, the show that takes a positive, forward-looking approach to mid-to-late career transitions for Gen Xers and Boomers. Every Wednesday afternoon at three o'clock Pacific, whether you're looking to stay in the traditional workforce, do your own thing, or retire or semi-retire, Reigniting You is your source for career transition advice, inspiration, and insight for what's next in your career and life. Join me Wednesdays at three o'clock to get re-energized, recharged, and reignited.
1: Hi. I'm But what happens when you don't know how to have all that or where to start? Well, join me every week to learn more about how, because I am just like you. So join me each week here on KKNW for this show is all about you. A show about how you and me become we and what that means for all of us. And be sure to visit my website, wordsbyjdk.com. Counseling.com. Going against the grain has never been this much fun. Alternative Talk 1150.
0: Don't ask me to talk. Okay, this is Don't Ask Me to Talk. I am Stacy Heller, the host and talker, and I am with Zach Davis, a friend of mine. So my Instagram, I put that you are like Puxitani Phil. You don't come out often, so when you do, it's a big deal.
2: Yeah, lately that seems to be the case between uh, the nose on the grindstone with work and uh, the newest, what would you even call it, like endeavor in in distance running?
0: I don't know, way you're trying to kill yourself.
2: (laughs) It's a terrible (laughs) habit, this whole running thing, but uh, yeah, it, it has its benefits too, I guess.
0: So let's start with the business piece. Let's get the responsible adulting out of the way.
2: Uh, okay. Um, so
0: you're a business owner.
2: Yes. So I'm a professional apologizer for things I don't do. I am a uh
0: That's a sport.
2: Right. I'm very good at functioning on very little sleep. Um, That's a parent. And I aim higher than I could possibly accomplish in a day. And that is I That's believe a like a, a pretty typical business owner.
0: Yep. So you own Window Works Property Services. Yes. And you wash windows, you clean roofs and gutters, and you soft wash, and you power wash, and...
2: Yeah, we are, we are uh, what we call a top-to-bottom uh, kind of company. We don't do any landscape, but we, we specialize in what we like to say is the dangerous stuff. Um, we do a lot of work from ladders. We do a lot of work from the roof. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's kind of what we specialized in. We realized it takes a special kind of person to do what we do. Um, and we also have intense frustration for folks or employees that show up to work late. Um, and so I kind of solved this problem by really focusing on hiring military in mm-hmm. my job. I tried to change the focus of my job from uh, from washing windows and making houses look really nice to uh, providing a really, what I think is a really enjoyable year-round job uh, for folks that that deserve, you know, a good paying, a very stable, and uh, it's a every day is an adventure kind of job.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and it's a good transition for a lot of these folks that, you know, they're they're like, this is not a dangerous stuff.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, it's a, it's a good, I mean, truthfully, the Ar- Army employee angle came after um, just getting tired of people not showing up on time. And so uh, I, had, I was working at a local ski area, and uh, I had, we were working with a, t- a number of veterans, um, one of which became a buddy, uh, showed me some pictures of what he had been through and seen. In Iraq, uh, and about two months later, I saw the same gentleman holding a sign advertising a happy hour for a tavern, uh, and and it rubbed me really wrong. Where uh, uh, there it isn't there aren't always people that are presentable enough to do what I do, but I I really feel like the army in some places is better than others, but that there is a lot of energy that should be given to someone leaving the army Mm -hmm. and getting them ready for regular life or life outside of the army i should say um and so uh i communicate real well so far with all these guys there's not a lot of sugarcoating um Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of bs involved and uh and I like that. I like someone that'll work for me because I go to work hard for all the people that work for me. Mm-hmm. And so it's a really good it's a really good match. Um, and I like to clear my conscience by saying that it, it didn't start as a you know a real soft spot in my heart for veterans. It's it's it it started with just I want guys that are on time and know how to work hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but after a year with the the first that I had, the first veteran that i had hired. Um, boy you start to become aware of the struggles and 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 even the unspoken struggles become a little bit more obvious once you're once you're kind of in that fire with them and uh i'm a really good outside of the box thinker i'm a very bad inside of the box thinker but uh (laughs) but but when dealing with someone that's kind of having the kind of challenges in that kind of a life change um it, it it is it is a real benefit to be able to think outside of the box and to be able to put yourself in someone else's shoes. So yeah, that's what I, I really like to do. It gets me out of bed in the morning, um, it keeps me up at night. So uh, I enjoy I'm really lucky to have the staff that I do now. Um I'm really lucky to have the experience I do in onboarding and mm-hmm. uh in and, and seeking out um these folks. And so, yeah, I really I really enjoy my job. I really enjoy my business. So
0: well, and you're, as you say, you're somebody that thinks outside the box. So, you know, talk about, uh, I I tease you all the time that you have nine lives. I even gave you a book about, like, a cat's nine lives so that you could read it to your son, Everett. And, and when I say that, so not only is Zach a business owner, you also have a nonprofit. Yeah. And that's... A really cool thing. You basically, it's called it's called uh, Solar Empowerment Solutions.
2: Yeah, we're uh, Solar Empowerment Solutions and our, I don't know what you'd call it, like our motto, our credo. Um, we tell each other all the time, don't be scared to get scared. Uh, head into South America. Uh, we land, we've done 15 projects just outside, six hours outside of Cusco. So we fly, pretty much every time we fly into Colombia, fly from, fly from Colombia to Lima, Drive from Lima, Peru, into Cusco, Peru. Uh, and then we, we rent some, some transportation, and we head about six hours into the Andes. Uh, we're at about fourteen to 15,000 feet. So uh, the village that we stay at is, is higher in elevation than uh, the peak of Mount Rainier. And so there's a lot that goes into that. Um, being that far away and that removed from mm-hmm. civilization is an eerie feeling for a lot of people. And so, uh, and, and you can just imagine the differences in realities in oh, Peru yeah. or South America as a whole, I would say, than America. And so, uh, it takes a special kind of person. And this is like a great place for, I feel like it's always been a great place to take the guys that we hire. We take all of them with us. Um, and the idea kind of started as, especially for a combat veteran, mm-hmm. I feel like a combat veteran has seen the world at its worst. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like delivering someone electricity who has lived in a village for four, that has never had it sure um it's a different it's a different experience as a whole um and where I feel like a lot of people would interpret that as you know we fly in with our American capes waving behind us and right, right. <laughs> team america but uh it's a lot different than that where we kind of tuck the tail between the legs and we ask. What's wanted? Like mm-hmm. where can we help? Like here's what we have. Um, and I feel like that really sets us apart from a lot of other nonprofits, especially nonprofits that do the same thing, is um, our ability to listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, every, our first trip was to do nothing to just go and find out what was wanted of us. Mm-hmm. And then every trip we we commit a substantial amount of time to figuring out like where else can we help next. Um, it took us a long time to explain to village elders and, and leaders that, that this was to benefit us just as much as it was them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like uh, on our last trip, they've really started to figure that out, to understand. And um, trust
0: it, probably. Y- yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. there must be a certain amount of, like, waiting for the other shoe to drop, right?
2: Yeah. Well, I, you get the impression that, uh, that this isn't, it's not uncommon to be offered the sun, moon, and the stars, and that kind of stuff falls through all the time. Mm-hmm. And so after, I want to say, our third trip out there, um, we really started to gain some traction, and, and which opens up a whole other world of problems. Um, but, boy, those problems are exciting, and so they don't seem to be problems when you're dealing with them. You're just kind of flying by the seat of your pants and learning as you go, mm-hmm. uh, keeping yourself safe, you know. And so uh, there's a lot to it that really suits um, a combat veteran. And the one specifically that we took uh, that I, I would say really, like, opened our eyes to what we could do uh, is just it was it was best explained Explained by him talking to a friend, where he said, "You know, I found my smile again up there. It was—it's mm-hmm. was just different." Um, and what you realize is that every veteran I've met, especially every combat veteran, signed up to help people. Right. And so it, it's a different experience.
0: You're not tearing something apart; you're building something.
2: Yeah, it's—it's it's hard to walk around with a rifle over your shoulder and not scare some people. And so um, it's a little bit more vulnerable. For the individual to show up with a solar panel over that shoulder than a <laughs> rifle, um, but uh,
0: heavier or lighter. <laughs> <laughs> at
2: fourteen thousand feet, everything's really heavy yeah, and you're really weird. tired. But uh, yeah, I just feel like it's a it's a great opportunity to balance the scales for someone that probably deserves it more than anyone I can think of. Someone that is has done uh, who signed on that dotted line, and especially who's been deployed. I feel like. I feel like our country owes a little bit extra effort to those folks. Mm-hmm. Um and I feel like our program in, in South America really, you know, kind of jumpstart uh some normalcy and some happiness again. Yeah. You know? Um and that is not to paint everyone and every one of these folks in the same light, but it is a it's a common theme I've noticed with a lot of them. This uh and, and so I just like to help, you know. I like to help them. Um I like to, I love going to South America. Um I love helping them too, but mm-hmm. really to see uh, an employee kind of, as, as I, I a coworker um kind of come full circle and then recognize, you know, there's there's a bigger there's something bigger out there. There's mm-hmm. a bigger picture. There's a bigger than us just um cleaning some windows or cleaning some roofs. Um, we're very fortunate with the customers that we have. We work for the Mariners. We work for some Seahawks. Like, we're very fortunate, but really, uh, I feel like the best part of what we do really is kind of helping with a little attitude adjustment. Mm-hmm. Um, and after a year, even customers will comment on, you know, that seems like a whole new guy you've got coming out to our house. And um, that's kind of the point. That's kind of the plan.
0: So cool, so cool. You're just a big softie. <laughs> it's true. Uh, a softie who has been airlifted twice, so mm-hmm. you don't do anything halfway. So your business, you don't do it halfway. Mm-hmm. Your uh, nonprofit, you don't do it halfway. You played football. That didn't end well.
2: Ah, uh, it ended. But <laughs> <laughs> it didn't end the way I expected it to, but it definitely... Uh in-ending the football side of life, like it opened other doors. Um, There's always a silver lining to to a situation like that. Um, And at that point in my life, that was when I started to realize that a door shuts and another one opens. Just kind of keep your head up and your eyes open. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, it definitely... um, This is
0: where your thinking outside the box really helps you because rather than think that there was only one path forward, you're like, well, all right. That seems fun.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. I put all my eggs in one basket, and like so many other uh, high school uh, athletes uh, with some potential, uh, I put a lot more uh, attention and focus into my athletics than I did my academics. And where I did, I, I didn't do poorly on the academic side of things. But uh,
0: you were bored, and you weren't challenged.
2: I don't do good behind a desk or a computer or. Even a cell phone
0: I think um, it's funny that your father is a professor
2: yeah, yeah no it is there's parts of that that are funny both of my parents are teachers and so my mom being a kindergarten teacher and my dad being a uh, high school or a college professor um, I see I got the full spectrum of educator and my sister even a high school uh, teacher there for a stretch was you know um, it just kind of makes you into a kind that kind of person and I, th- I feel like being surrounded by educators puts you like, that's just kind of how you communicate.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's totally interesting. Okay. So then after you switched from, well, that's not what I'm going to do.
2: So uh, well, I was airlifted, life supported off of the football field um, at age 16, I was uh, in 10th grade. Uh, so they, I, it was kind of took a funny hit to make a long story short. Um, and I went from the locker room to a coach's truck to a check medical to life support and on a helicopter on my way to Harborview. I was diagnosed at the end of it with uh, uh, what they called a spinal cord concussion, which I began to realize just meant they didn't really know what the heck happened to me. Um, My vitals all stopped. My breathing started to go down. My heartbeat almost stopped. Uh, They put me on, uh, strapped me to a backboard, whatever you'd call it. They strapped me Mm -hmm. to a piece of wood. They threw me in a helicopter and... Something like 20 hours later, I was given a clean bill of health. Um, so I got the rest of the year off for football, but that just <laughs> meant that I, was, I, I lived in a weight room and on the track and just I got better for the next two years of football. I don't even know that they'd let a the kid do that these days.
0: I don't you know think they I mean? would.
2: Right? Uh, so the next, my, I was ready to play football that year, which obviously got a big no from everyone. And uh, the next two years, I, I just kind of kept chipping away at my goals and towards the end of my senior year. I took another funny hit that uh, when they pulled my shoulder pads off me and I turned to look at my shoulder, uh, my collarbone poked me in the cheek, and I was told instantly, this is the end of the football career, pal. Like, no one cares how fast you are anymore. (laughs) Like, no more contact sports for you. Um, And so I committed the rest of my youth to being a big air skier, and instead of running into other people at full speed, I was dropped out of the air, at, at, at good speeds. Um it was almost like being in car crashes regularly and I proceeded to destroy the rest of my body.
0: I know I'm like that's not <laughs> no contact. Right. Yeah.
2: Well, it to my parents it was no contact and at the moment that was all that mattered. I got their blessing to go and I went. Um Oh,
0: like and, your parent like you were going to listen to your parents?
2: I, at the time uh, I was milking, I would call it, a scholarship to Seattle Pacific University. Um and, uh, a ski team came calling offering me like $250 a day, which was insane money to me at the time. And for any high school kid, even today to slap $250. Are you kidding? I'm
0: like, I would like $250 a day.
2: <laughs> and, uh, so I proceeded to like ride that till the wheels fell off too. Um, and at about age 25, 26, I had done some substantial damage to my, to myself and, uh, I had recognized that those that were about five years older than me were really having body problems. So I gracefully bowed out of that situation before I was forced to bow out. Mm -hmm. Um, And I still have my body issues because of it. Um, But I got out just like... "Hmm."
0: In the nick of time. Well, and not before you had a lovely uh, hiking incident, which we're going to take a really quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to hear more about
2: second time I was airlifted.
0: Exactly. Zach's other lives. You're listening to Don't Ask Me to Talk. I'm Stacey Heller. We'll be right back with Zach Tavis.
1: Are you stuck in a creative straitjacket going crazy, trying to find a different way out, exhausted from trying to make old ideas feel fresh? And relevant, Popcorn and Noodle is a boutique agency that specializes in popcorning new ideas and noodling on existing ones for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Whether it's ideas about what to name a new venture, how to promote your services, or which direction to consider next, Popcorn and Noodle serves ideas that pop and stick. Don't go crazy. Go to popcornandnoodleideas.com. Creative solutions serve daily. Stacey Heller is many things. Entertaining yet enlightening. She's a talk show host channeling her inner Fallon. Like Winston Wolf, she's a fixer who gets things done with style. Practical, like Dr. Ruth. Stacy isn't afraid of the uncomfortable when searching for answers. She's your biggest fan and sees your potential before you do. Most of all, Stacy Heller is a synapse who can connect impulses and ideas about your business and yourself into possibility. To connect with Stacy, go to stacyconnects.com. Stacy Connects, it's her superpower. Working hard to put a smile on your face. Alternative Talk 1150.
0: Don't ask me to talk. Welcome back to Don't Ask Me To Talk. I'm your host, Stacey Heller. I am joined today by Zach Davis. I think we have a caller. Is it a long-time listener, first-time caller, or second-time caller?
1: I think you're going to recognize this voice.
0: All right, let's see. <laughs> Who is it? I'm a second-time caller. <gasps> Mom! Hey. Yes, sweetie. It is your mother. And let me tell you something. I've never heard you so quiet. What? No, Zach has been talking, and it's wonderful, and usually you you talk and talk and talk, so I think it's great, and I miss not hearing um, Gracie, but he, Zach, has been so interesting, really.
2: Well, I'm just getting warm.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, I mean, you and Zach have this lovely connection. Zach and I do, Mm -hmm. and so, yes, Zach, I'm so totally impressed. You didn't tell me your whole story when we met.
2: We were too busy talking about scotch. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's what I'm having right now.
2: Yeah. Hey, where it's, are you? Home. You should be here. And when Stacy's guests come on, you should just freshen up a glass. I'm,
0: I'm gonna. Well, I'm gonna visit Stace. <laughs> she's gonna visit me, and I'm gonna visit her. Uh huh. And when she visits, she's gonna be on the show. Perfect. Oh, Stacy. I'm gonna have to bump. Nervous. Oh, Stacy. <laughs> I'm so shy. It's just gonna be. Eric's gonna have to have his finger on the dump button in case you uh, curse. Yeah, I, <laughs> I got I warned
2: before I walked on. I got
0: guys. It's really, it was fun to hear. It really was. Well, you wait. There's more to tell. Okay, okay. I'll let you all go. Love to everybody. Bye. Bye, Bye -bye. Mom. Bye, honey. (laughs) I love when she calls in. It's only the second time. She called in for you.
2: Nice. I know. I got a caller.
0: You did get a caller. Wow. Okay. So, when last we left, you were talking about your skiing. Now, your other time that you were airlifted... (laughs)
2: Yeah, um, it's kind of a long story. Uh, like
0: I can tell the short version. Okay. Two let's... knuckleheads go into <laughs> go. In,
2: so far, so good.
0: Go into a uh, Moab, national Utah. park, yeah. right? Yep. For a hike, thinking like, oh, we're gonna go check out the area. This will be fun with mm-hmm. their t-shirts and like it'll be fine. And took a left turn that left one on like essentially a ledge.
2: Yeah. Fallen.
0: Broken, yeah. dehydrated, dying, dying, and the other one trying to scramble to get down to help, and you were the one that was on the ledge.
2: Yeah, so uh, we were. I was uh, training with the Olympic Development Program for big air skiing in Park City, Utah, and I was. I had a lot of friends in Utah. I was one of the only ones that didn't come from a substantial amount of money, so my weekend recreation options did not consist of trips to Vegas or Aspen or anything. Um, and in the summer, especially Utah has got amazing state parks. And so, uh, me and my good buddy, John Everett, who also, um, comes from, a um, you know, a working class family background. He, we would just, we, we headed out uh, on that particular weekend. We headed to Moab, Utah, uh, the night before, we were about to take a solid trek through the desert. Um, we just wanted to scope it out and to make that story short. By the time we got back to where we thought was the car, we had a 1,000-foot cliff in front of us. We were running out of daylight, and so we knew we were going to be stuck. Um, and I was, I was starting to cramp real bad. Um, I was on creatine at the time, and uh, to make that long story short, meant my body needed tremendously more water. And so my kidneys were failing with a quickness. Um, By about midnight, I was convulsing, throwing up blood. Um, We were lighting forest fires all over the place up there trying to get anyone's attention, Uh, and it just didn't happen. So uh, come morning, we kind of figured out where we were going. This is making a very long, painful story really short. (laughs) (laughs) But we figured out where the direction we were going. We figured out that our, our route down to the bottom, to the river below... Um, was one of three ways, and uh, my friend John Everett told me, "Hey, I'm gonna. I'll check the left way. I'll check the right way. Uh, when we realize if those aren't it, we're just gonna go because something's really wrong with you. Mm-hmm. We're just gonna go straight down the middle." And so he told me not to move. And as soon as he was out of eyesight, I decided I was going to check it out.
0: <laughs> you were going to move. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and uh, when I realized that the the way down that I thought I would take. Uh, didn't make it all the way down. It kind of rolls over and all at a very towards the end, like by not making it down, like it just cliffs out. Mm-hmm. So you think you can see the bottom, but when you get close enough, you realize, oh, there's, you know, a couple hundred feet between me and the bottom. And so when I realized it was cliffed out, I turned to walk out of the, the steep hill that I was on. I cramped, I fell, and I slid off the edge. And instead of falling hundreds of feet, I felt something like 25 30 feet to a to a little ledge below um and that's where i thought i was gonna die like i just laid there there's no way out there's no way anyone was gonna okay. find me and uh a couple hours later i really couldn't tell you how much time it was later um at the time i thought it was a day mm-hmm. but uh it couldn't have been um my friend that was with me found me uh and then in realizing where i was and how bad a shape i was in he scaled uh a little over a hundred foot crack in the shale. So this rock's just breaking apart as he climbs down it. He hits the bottom. He hits the Colorado river, puts some water in his mouth and just runs. And again, like in my mind, hours, days are going by. Um, A helicopter passed me and I realized they were looking for me. Um, It passed me a second and a third time. And at that point I realized it was never going to see me. I couldn't yell. I couldn't scream loud enough. and, And by after a while, I just stopped even standing up trying to wave it down until he comes running back. He ran four miles back to base camp, uh, grabbed a search and rescue walkie-talkie, ran four miles back in, um, and uh, laid at the bottom of this valley until the helicopter was passing, and he saw; they saw him. He pointed at me. Uh, they plunked me off this hillside. They took me to a hospital, um, and they started pumping IVs in me. And there was another life flight en route from Salt Lake because— they didn't think my kidneys were going to bounce back. Um, and they did. I bounced back. I was released from the hospital that night. Uh, this is a week after the gentleman had pinched his arm off right by arches. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a, a presence of, of media, you'd say, there. Yep. So my grandparents called my parents to say, there was a boy that looks just like Zach. He was on the news, <laughs> but he was in Utah. And, and uh, that was how my parents found out where I was um
0: well there was no cell phone reception <laughs>
2: <laughs> there's no cell phones really at time we so uh yeah and then uh, the the crazy part of that story being uh the gentleman that saved me um ended up staying in Park City I moved back to Mount Hood to go train um on my skis and uh that winter he was hit by a snowmobile paralyzing him from the neck down he's a quadriplegic now he lives in Austin Texas um, and in a resort town, it's truthfully is like, you know, you don't you're not there to deal with the realities of life. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I felt like a lot of his friends, our friends just kind of turned a blind eye and didn't offer the kind of support. Um, and so I made a serious effort in in like overemphasizing the support mm-hmm. and, and staying in touch. Um, and the man is such a, a level of Zen, I would say. Um, and I, I owed him one. Uh, So, I didn't. We named our son, my wife and I, I named my son after him just Mm -hmm. because, um, boy, without him, I I definitely wouldn't be here today.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, such an amazing story. Now, what I think is so interesting about all of this, besides the fact that it's just interesting, is that now you're like, I know what a good idea on the weekend would be. I think I'll run an ultra marathon. So, like, what? How long ago is it now? A month?
2: Uh, two weeks ago-ish, maybe three, um, I ran my first official 50 mile, but I'd been, I'd made a kind of a commitment to do it about three years ago. I started, I cut out the alcohol. I cut out a lot of- I
0: know, he drinks Shirley Temples. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
2: And so, uh, I started just kind of focusing on health and, and making myself a little bit better every day, finding something that I could change or a bad habit to cut out. Um, and, uh, I- I, all, at the same time, my life was ruined when I read a book by David Goggins. Um, it's an excellent book, but it, it it explains that you're really leaving a lot on the table. That Most people that think that they're really putting in 100% um, are putting in a lot closer to 50 or 60. Mm-hmm. Um, and recognizing that you could tap into something different was really appealing to me. That time, mm-hmm. he's an ultra runner. He's have has, he's a veteran. Um, he has an, um, some amazing accomplishments under his belt, and and I just started, um, in a way, like really looking up to people like him, who had also had some challenging. I mean, his his youth, his upbringing is tremendously worse than anything I've ever been through. Mm-hmm. Um, but understanding that he could have been he could have done so much worse he did so much damage to his body he had such a more like violent and wild youth than i did um and that he could do so much more than than i was giving myself credit i just kind of wanted to see Mm -hmm. see what i could do you know um it wasn't about i couldn't care less about putting a 50 sticker bumper sticker on like i don't care uh the virtue signaling I feel like that comes with a lot of distance running is really unappealing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so personal for you. <laughs> it's, it truly is. It's, uh, I see it really different. You really learn a lot about yourself. Um, and, uh, I do see like what I've heard described as the romance in, in these things, the individual, like you're in the woods, you're deep in the mountains. Um, and I think that that kind of vulnerability and, uh, and like risk reward, like the reward really, there really isn't reward.
0: I know. I'm like, I'm waiting for the part where there's the reward. I'm like, yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, but I do think that there's like something resembling a hack into learning like meditation, learning how to tap into your subconscious and learning how to deal with like intense body stress mm-hmm. by by that kind of activity. I think that uh, cardiovascular uh, exercise is it's just different, you know. And where I got into it, so that I for the grind on on my mind, mm-hmm. um, I, I that's it really has become just a big part of me and what I do.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, it's you get up at some. I'll get texts from you at like four thirty in the morning, and I'm like, I'll answer you in like three hours when I'm up.
2: Yeah, I I'll, I'll enjoy especially like texting songs to those of my friends that I know do not get up early in the morning. (laughs) And and so you're not alone in getting these like probably awful songs sent to you. No, I kind of
0: love it because there's like a message there. Like, you know, I can tell like your frame of mind or like, you know, what you're like psyching yourself up to do or what you're like, okay, like this is going to happen today. So I kind of love that.
2: And there's something super funny about... On the first of the month, sending, like, the Bone song, it's the first of the month, to all of my friends who, <laughs> who, who also think that... I, I think it's funny if they think it's annoying, and so I can't lose.
0: Well, and I'm pretty sure that Eric maybe has queued up. You're actually a musician yourself, <laughs> and you have music, right? I mean, play it, Eric. My baby like
2: dancing in the rain. <laughs> One thing I bring into a business conversation, but yeah, this is not
0: a business conversation. <laughs> this is not a business it's two show. Two different
2: businesses. Uh, and and so there was moments where uh, the band, I I played in a band for a long time, um, and I got to play some pretty fun stages. And I would see people at work that would that I knew I'd seen at a rock and roll show. Mm-hmm. Um, But that's a much different job than a business owner. Um, And where a lot of that, especially on stage, is a show. So like when you hold a beer all the way above your head and you just dump it on your face and drink it. That is not a good message to be sending to window cleaning customers. But in the world of rock and roll, um, we check that box.
0: Well, I mean, (laughs) and you know, oh, have beer on your windows, (laughs) can clean it.
2: (laughs) So, yeah, not exactly uh, something. Yeah,
0: but this is not a business show, first (laughs) of all. This is my show. I get to decide what I'm talking about. And some people come on to talk about their business. And I 100% believe that even business owners, like you, you have a personal life. There's a reason why you've chosen the work that you do. So you picking work that is, slightly dangerous, that is a bit solitary, that is uh, bringing in your, you know, working class roots, hmm. that gives you time to, like, think and meditate. I mean, it all, like, makes sense.
2: Uh, the band <laughs> the band name kind of yeah. sinks the ship. The band
0: name you can't say on the air. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you can. There's no bad words in it. But, um, you know, I've also sat through a day of family law court listening to my mother and father give the definitions of lyrics and the band name being Teabagging Bandits. Uh, hearing my mother on the stand explaining to the opposing counsel what she thinks the word teabagging means was, that's good radio. <laughs> that, this is not nearly as fun as, as that be.
0: Yeah, yeah, so...
2: Are other people, like B&I people, going to listen to this? Too? I don't
0: know. We're going to find out who's <laughs> listening. We'll see. So, uh, that's a thing, and, you know, I suppose you could look it up on Urban Dictionary, or you could we're just let Spotify, it go. We're on
2: Spotify, we're on YouTube. Oh, like, they're everywhere. We're everywhere, but...
0: Yeah. yeah, and...
2: It is the best divorce album anyone's ever written, in my opinion, and uh, if you're into the country rock... Um, Boy, we we, it's some good. It's some good beer drinking music. We it t-
0: totally is. It totally is. Okay, so I just have to tell this really short thing. I'm gonna back up to when I first met you. So Zach came to our BNI chapter, and you know he's. I know you're all shocked to hear this. Like this kind of quiet, solitary guy brings in like his pad or his phone or whatever you would bring in, and like your little tablet, and we just sort of sit there and like. Let me do the minimal that I can do to check this box and get out of here quickly. And I was like, I have a tendency to be like, hmm, who's the person that doesn't want to be seen? I'm going to see them. And so sat next to Zach and was like, is your tattoo of Shell Silverstein where the sidewalk ends? Yes. And that is the first thing that we started talking about and then just started to scratch the surface and find out more and more and more. And I would, I would say that in our b i there's, you know, 50-ish people. And if you were to line everybody up and you were to say, you know, pick two people that are, like, tight, nobody would pick the two of us. Yeah,
2: it's awesome. My, my, my life existence seems to be like this. Uh, my best friend in high school, um, like, to sum it up perfectly, was the English teacher at our high school's daughter. Who is, she has moved on to be an English teacher, I believe, in the Everett School District. Um, and myself and my friends, uh, we pushed the boundaries of every boundary we could find. So um, there's just something to be said about uh, just good people, you know, and and uh, appreciating someone's differences and lear- being able to learn from someone that's different is always, um, I enjoy, you know, m- a diverse crowd I, I don't like arguing with people who agree with me and i really like to argue and so uh mm-hmm. the friends i make um i like that i like that about my being being able to be friends with very few people but the friends that i have i feel like are are special
0: special well and that is something that is very unique about you thank you yeah i mean i <sighs> i like that myself I just having conversations with people I mean it's the whole tagline of my show connection through conversation and when you talk with people you don't have to agree with them Mm -mm. it's so important to listen though
2: I think it's important people remember that these days too that um, boy there's there's real benefits to conversations with people you disagree with and I think that that um, for whatever reason everyone's become In a generation that grew up on South Park, we've all become insanely sensitive about a ton of things. And uh, especially for the stuff that I feel like most people are sensitive about, I believe that like that requires a lot more speak and a lot more explanation. Uh Um, And so, yeah, I'm a big fan of like open conversation, especially about touchy subjects. Like my feelings aren't going to get hurt.
0: Um, oh, and you're like bring it. I and, mean, I, and I
2: like to learn, you know, I like to be wrong and to learn. So,
0: well, you're truly the child of educators. <laughs> so, um, in honor of our friendship, I'm reading a Shel Silverstein poem. Ready? He wrote, he
2: wrote uh, some Johnny Cash songs too, you know.
0: Oh, he's written a ton of things. Yeah.
2: Wrote for Playboy after that. I think that's even awesome. Yeah,
0: he did. <laughs> My dad used to get Playboy. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's called Invitation. If you are a dreamer, come in. If you are a dreamer, a wisher, a liar a helper, a prayer, a magic bean buyer. If you're a pretender, come sit by my fire, for we have some flax golden tails to spin. Come in. That's what you remind me of, Thanks. right? Yep. So there you go. So Tawny Phil himself came out to uh, play nice and chat. And remember, he is the owner of Window Works Property Services, which you can actually find by going to the seemingly unrelated but actually correct website eastsidewindowcleaning.com
2: yeah you can also find us on ww of wa right now Um, we all got really tired of typing eastside window cleaning at the end of all of our emails so we're in the middle of transitioning to ww of wa Um, we're also opening up shop for a gentleman in Austin, Texas. And so we will be a WW of ATX as well here in the near future.
0: There you go. So thanks for joining me, Zach. Thank you, Eric, for your patience and your steps. Next week, I am joined by health coach and perky person, Heather Yancey. Thanks for listening to Don't Ask Me to Talk. Have a great week. Stay connected. Not close. <laughs>